0: Philippians chapter 3, would you please in your Bible? Philippians chapter 3. Maybe just a moment to locate it. If you can at all, locate it with me. And we're going to look at 10 verses together in the time that we have. I asked when I should be done. And I was told that tonight's service starts at 6, so somewhere before then. And uh, so we got plenty of time. Isn't that exciting? Plenty of time. And we want God to work in our heart and work in our lives. Great crowd this morning. I'm so glad to be with Pastor Ray again. And I enjoyed uh, so much our fellowship the last couple of days. And it's kind of cool to be with a pastor that can't talk. That's just really great. And uh, I love it. And I'm sure glad that he's doing better. I, uh, I'm, I'm excited that he's going to be able to sing again the way he wants to and, and likes to. So I'm just really glad that all that worked out. And I'm glad that I could be here this weekend with you all. And I'm not all here. And I'm sorry for that because my family's not with me and uh, my wife. And I've been married 23-plus years now. And uh, one of these days I'm going to get her here so you guys can meet her. She's not yet been able to be here. And uh, I've been keeping her up to date on all that's going on. And, and uh, so I, I, I bring greetings to you from her. And uh, she's home in Florida suffering for the Lord. Uh, it was, um, was 74 yesterday. And uh, so we like it down there in this time of the year. And so I have five kids as well and I get to be home in the morning. I should be home in the morning by 9.30. I get out of here early tomorrow flying home and I get to spend a few days. Two of my kids are home from college. How many of you have college kids? Do you? It's a whole new ball game, isn't it? And uh, it's just a different world. I'm at a different stage of my life. My daughter just turned 20. Can you believe that? I can't believe I look so young. And uh, <laughs> And uh, my daughter's 20 and I, I'm worried about that because I know we're getting closer to that time, you know. Uh, guys are, you know, interested in my daughter and I know that like, you know, 15 years from now, she's going to be old enough to get married. And uh, so I'm concerned. I got the, my daughter's home, my son's home, and I get to spend the next five days with them and, uh, before they go back to college. And I'm really looking forward to that. It's going to be a great week, getting to invest in them. Of course, Matthew, Jake, and Charity are, are always at home. And they travel with us most of the time. And I'm just, I am so blessed. I am a happy, blessed husband and daddy. And one of these days, I'm going to get my family here because I I want to introduce them to you in person. But unfortunately, all you get today is me. And uh, aren't you excited? (laughs) And and, uh, I I am. And uh, I love being here. And what a blessing to be with you. I'm in Philippians chapter 3. This is a great chapter. We were in the first chapter in Sunday school, you that were in the auditorium. And in the Sunday School Hour, we talked about a life worth living, 2017, how to have a life worth living. I'm not going to read the whole chapter in this hour, but the first 10 verses are incredible. And uh, I guess I I would perhaps try to parallel Sunday School and call chapter 3 a life worth having. A life worth living was chapter 1. A life worth having is in chapter 3. Verse 1, finally, my brethren, finally, my brethren, I find encouragement in that. Have you ever been in a service where the the pastor says, now finally, and preaches another half hour? Paul is halfway through the book, and he throws out his finally. So I guess that's a preacher thing for a long time. So he says, finally, my brethren, rejoice. Say the word. Oh, you got to look at it. You can't say it like that. Rejoice. Say the word. Rejoice in the Lord. He says right here, be happy, be happy. To write the same things to you, to me, indeed is not grievous, but for you it is safe. Beware of dogs, beware of evil workers, beware of the concision. For we are the circumcision, which worship God in the spirit and rejoice in Christ Jesus, have no confidence in the flesh, though I might also have confidence in the flesh. If any other man thinketh that he hath whereof he might trust in the flesh, I more... Circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, and Hebrew of the Hebrews, as touching the law of Pharisee, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, touching the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. But what things were gained to me, those I counted loss for Christ. Ye doubtless, and I count all things, all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord. For whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ, and be found in him, not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith, that I may know him, and the power of his resurrection, and the fellowship of his sufferings, being made conformable unto his death. Do you like these verses? Verse 1 says, Be happy. Verse 2 and 3 says, beware, and the next few verses says, be sure, be sure, you need to know you're going to heaven. He starts with being happy. How many of you are happy today, are you? Be happy, joy. The Bible says, the joy of the Lord is your what? Your strength." Be joyful, be happy. The Bible says, a merry heart doeth good like a medicine. Uh, Be happy. He starts out here with, finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. Be happy in your heart. Be happy in your heart. Have a happy heart. You're a child of God. You're on your way to heaven. Be happy in your heart. Have joy in your life, the joy of the Lord. Be happy in your heart. Be happy in your home. At home, be happy. Have a happy, joyful home. Make happiness part of your marriage and happiness part of your family. Make your home one of the happiest places in the world. Don't let Disneyland beat you on that. They say they're the happiest place on earth and I say they're wrong. The happiest place on earth that I know of is 4249 Ermine Lane in Milton, Florida. That's our house. That's the happiest place on earth. That's what we want. Joy, joy, happiness in your heart, happiness in your home. You know, you can have, uh, you can have happiness in your church. There's nothing wrong with having joy in the church, is there? We're on the way to heaven and we're here to celebrate the resurrection have joy, joy, joy. Happy, be happy, he says. Be, be happy in your service for the Lord. And that what he says? Here's our family verse. Our family verse is Psalm 100, verse 2, where the Bible says, Serve the Lord with gladness. I tell my kids all the time, we don't have to go to church tonight. We get to. We don't have to go to another revival. We get to. We don't have to have family devotions. No, we get to have family. We're serving the Lord with gladness. Make sure you are. Uh, the Bible even says we're to give with, with happiness, doesn't he? We're to be a cheerful giver. And that word means hilarious, happy. We're to be happy. So, young people, you don't have to be miserable. You, teen- you don't have to be miserable. You don't have to be down. You don't have to be discouraged. You older folks, you don't have to be miserable. You're a child of God. He loves you. He cares about you. He starts this chapter with be happy. Are you happy? That's what God wants. If you're not, talk to God about it today. You can be happy in your circumstances. Did you know that? Uh, Some of you have some tough circumstances, some family situations, or financial situations, or health situations. You know, God wants you to be happy even in that. You can have joy no matter what's going on in your life. You can say, you know, God's in charge of my life, and God's going to take this situation, make me more like Jesus, and I'm going to grow. And I'm going to, no matter what happens, I'm going to serve the Lord and be happy. I'm going to, I'm going to confuse the devil. He's trying to get me down, get me discouraged, but I'm not going to let, I'm going to serve the Lord and I have a happy and a joyful heart. You ever been around a person that just is ridiculously happy? Come on, have you? It's a blessing, isn't it? I mean, sometimes you want to shoot them, especially if it's a morning, you know, some people are mourning people. How many of y'all are mourning people? Let me see. Here. How many of y'all do not like the people that just raise their head? Let me see your head. Some of you are just morning people, aren't they? They're just happy. Good morning, Dad. how are you? And you're like, leave me alone. And uh, I heard one comedian, he said, my wife's a morning person. She's always like, good morning, sunshine. He said, I'd rather be held up in the morning. At least they'll let you lay down. And, uh, and so I, I understand circumstances come and go, but Paul's, Paul's message is for you. Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. Have a happy heart and a happy home and serve the Lord happily and give happily and let joy rule in your life, no matter your circumstance. If you're going through a hard time, you ought to ask God today, Lord, I don't know what's going to happen here and my heart's hurting and, and I'm discouraged about it and I'm down, but you've got to help me to smile through this situation. Have a happy heart. That's what, By the way, the man who wrote these words, he's in prison. And he's in prison. Simply because he's been traveling the world, telling people about Jesus, trying to do good works and help people and know God. He's not a murderer. He's not molested anybody. He's he's not stolen anything. He's just trying to do good works, and he winds up in a prison cell. And there he is in a dark and and damp and dismal cell. And he says, "Rejoice in the Lord." Isn't that incredible? How do you get? That? How do you how, how do you how do you hurt a guy like that? We'll lock you in prison. Go ahead. <laughs> No weird. I mean, come on. That's how God wants you to live. The joy of the Lord in your life. So he says, be, be happy. Then he says in verse 2, isn't that a strange verse? Beware of dogs. That's a unique verse, isn't it? So he says, be happy. Then he says, beware. And, and, and although it's a little awkward, the point he's making is... Beware of the things in your life that will lead you down the wrong path. Beware of the things in your life that will lead you down the wrong path. That will tell you things that aren't true. That will get you on the wrong doctrine or the wrong theology. Beware! I, uh, years ago when I was first, first saved, a friend of mine gave me a, a cassette tape of a sermon. You all remember cassette tapes? That was like back in another dispensation. You remember that? And uh, I had a cassette tape of this sermon, and it was this preacher in Detroit, Michigan, and he was an African American brother, and he preached a sermon called Beware of Them Dogs. And man, it was good. It's not what the passage meant, but it was a great sermon. Because he said, You know, our church has a lot of dogs in it. That's what he said. Our church has a lot of dogs in here, he said. Some of you are chows, he said. You got a black tongue. And the crowd, they were like, Mm hmm. And uh, it was a great sermon. He said, some of you are like a poodle. He said, you march into church all dressed up and fancified, and you come down the middle aisle. And he said, you ain't worth nothing, but you look good. And I'll never forget the sermon. It was, he said, some of you are a little feist dog. He said, you're, you're, you're not real big, but you've got a lot of fight to you. And he, just, he said, beware of them dogs. This is a great sermon, though it's not what Paul's saying. That's what Paul's saying is, you better beware of the things in your life that can hurt you and damage you and hinder you and get you on a wrong path. So he says, be happy. He says, beware. But the real point he's making here is be sure, be sure that you're on your way to heaven and that you're close to Jesus and you have a relationship with God. You could outline this part in two ways. It's how I'll finish the message. What he says in this passage is that we need righteousness through Jesus Christ. And then in verse 10, he reminds us that we need a relationship with Jesus Christ. Let me ask you a question. Do you have to be perfect to go to heaven? Be careful. Think. Do you have to be perfect to go to heaven? It's a trick question, a little bit. Do you, teenagers, do you have to be perfect to go to heaven? How about it, ladies and gentlemen? We're a Baptist church. We emphasize doctrine. Do you have to be perfect to go to heaven? Well, the answer is what? No. But in this passage, the answer is actually yes. You don't have to be perfect to go to heaven. We know that. But this passage says you do. It's true. You do. What in the world? Seriously? Okay, let's look at it. Look at it. Remember the question. Look at it. He says in verse 4, look at verse 4. He says, though I might also have confidence in the flesh, in me, in my works, my ability, if any other man thinketh that he hath whereof he might trust in the flesh, he says, I more. You know what Paul says right there? You ready for this? Paul says, just so you know, I am better than you are. That's what he's saying. You might think you're a good person and you're religious and you're on your way to heaven. I just want you to know something. I'm better than you are. I have more than you have. And then he, he, then he, then he describes what he has. And look, at it, it's pretty interesting. He says in verse 5, uh, I was circumcised the eighth day, number one, of the stock of Israel, that's number two, of the tribe of Benjamin, that's number three, a Hebrew of the Hebrew is touching the law, a Pharisee, that's number four, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, touching the righteousness which is in the law, I was blameless, that's number five. Let, let me illustrate it for you. I need five helpers. Can I get five guys? I had a couple of guys help me this morning. Give me five guys on the platform real quick, and I'm just going to have you hold a sign. All right? I need five guys. Just come on. There's one. There's one. There's two. Come on. I need three more. Come on. Nobody here but us will be here all day. You want to go to lunch? All right. You come on, son. You come on to help me. So there's pastor, and, and we got one more. All right. Come on. And we're, we're going to hold some signs, all right? And so here, here's, here's five things Paul says I have that, that that I'm just telling you I'm better than you are. And, and here's, here's uh, let, me, let me get it right. So we're going to hold we're going to hold five sides. <laughs> Pastor, you are coveting his hair, I know. I'd pay money to see you with that hair, actually, wouldn't you? <laughs> All right, now here's, here's, here's the first one. Paul says, Paul says, uh, I was circumcised the eighth day. Now, I, I know how to do that. So he says, here's what he's saying. He said, I had an experience when I was a baby. I had an experience religiously when I was a, because circumcision in the Jewish religion to the, to the young male is a religious matter. So we wouldn't say that, but we might say this one. All right. So here's your saying. And the word is baptism. Cause I don't mean people I've met that says, well, of course I'm going to heaven because um, well, I was baptized and I was a baby. Just like Paul says, I circumcised the eighth day. I had a religious experience when I was a baby. That's got to count for something, doesn't it? Then, then he has a second one. He says, uh, I'm, of, uh, I'm, I'm of the tribe of Israel, the stock of Israel. So here's a, this is the only word I could come up with. This is a good word. And pastor, you get to hold it. He says, I'm elected. That's what he says. Because, because, see, to be, a, to be an Israelite, if you were an Israelite, what it means is that you considered yourself a special part of the divine election of Almighty God. So Paul, what he's saying is, hey, look, look I just want you to know that I am better than you are, and if anybody's on their way to heaven by what they do, it's going to be me and not you. Because when I was a baby, I had a religious experience. and And furthermore, i am of the tribe of the stock rather of israel see the picture then he has another one he says in the passage he says i'm of the uh, tribe of benjamin so he, here's here's our next word he said uh you can even check out my family my family so you get the whole family all right because he says uh, just so you know that my family i was at the uh, an air, uh, a motel the other day in raleigh north carolina i checked in and when i checked in the young lady behind the counter and uh, waited on me and, and got my key. And I said to her, I said, uh, I'm I'm actually here for the conference. And I told her what the conference was. And, and she knew because it was on my, my check-in list. And I said, um, it's over here at the Baptist Church. And I said, wouldn't be right for me to go over there and talk to them and not talk to you. And I said, so do you know about Jesus? Do you know whether or not you're on your way to heaven? Here's what she said. She said, oh my word, she said, my daddy is a Pentecostal preacher. Family, a lot of people, that's the answer. Of course I'm going to heaven for crying out loud. My mama was one of the godliest people you have ever met in the world. My mama was a saint. My daddy was a saint. My daddy was a deacon in the church. Paul says, Look how good I am. Uh, for God out loud, I had a religious experience when I was a ba- I didn't even know what I was doing, had nothing to do with it. I'm so religious, I was religious before I knew to be. <laughs> and on top of that, I'm elected. I'm, I'm of the tribe of Israel. I, I am part of God's favorite people. And if that doesn't count, I got a great family. I'm, a, I'm of the tribe of Benjamin. And then he said, uh, If that doesn't work, I even got this. And here's, here's another word for you. I even have religion. Because he says, um, there it is at the end. It's touching the law. What am I? It's in, it's in verse, verse 5. It's touching the law. What am I? Now, I want to tell you, that's pretty impressive. He's a Pharisee. Now, I don't know what you, what you know about Pharisees, but I will guarantee you they're probably better than you are. Do you know the average Pharisee would fast twice a week? How are you doing? Some of you haven't fasted in a lifetime unless you had to go to the doctor and get a test that required you not eating for 24 hours. But it certainly wasn't because you were praying. But this man did it all the time. He was so meticulous in his giving when he had a garden, he'd take the plants of the garden and take a tenth of even the tiniest little plants in his garden and give to the Lord. That's better than most of you. He, uh, he memorized tons of scripture. The Pharisees would memorize the Old Testament, Torah, the five books of Moses. A lot of them could quote by memory Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. How you doing? Some of you can't even read Leviticus, let alone memorize it. (laughs) You see how religious this guy is? I'm just talking comparatively, I don't know that anybody's this good. But he's not even finished yet. He's not even finished yet, because he's got one more in the next verse in the next verse in the next verse he says as touching uh, let's see uh, concerning um, touching the righteousness verse 6 touching the righteousness which is in the law what's the word there blameless so here's here's the other thing i need it's two words here's what he says i have you ready for this i have good works here you go, this is yours, this is yours. Now look at what Paul says I have, all right? So we're going to start over here. Paul says, when I was a baby, when I was a baby, I had a religious experience. You want to know whether or not you're going to heaven? I just want you to know, you may think you are, and you might feel like you've got a lot on your side. I guarantee you I'm better than you are, because even before I even knew what I was doing, I was religious. I circumcised the eighth day, the eighth day. I don't care how smart you are. I don't care what your family's like. If you're eight days old, you don't have a clue what you're doing. It's this young man paul he had a religious experience he's he a baby and on top of that he says i'm elected i am of the stock of israel i am part of god's favorite people he's got it going for him doesn't he and if that's not enough if these aren't enough i just want you to know my family we are the tribe of benjamin my daddy's a pentecostal preacher my mom is a saint nobody's got a family like mine i just want you to know I got it together. And if that's not enough, I'm not as religious as you can get. I'm a Pharisee. Everywhere I go. If I walk into a building, people know, ooh, there's a religious man. That guy's a Pharisee. He's religious. Look at him. He's religious. Prays long prayers on the street, out loud, fast twice a week. Gives tithes of everything he owns, even to the tiniest plants of his garden. Memorizes Genesis and Exodus and Leviticus and Numbers and Deuteronomy. I'm telling you, this guy's got religion going for him. And if this isn't enough, if all of these aren't enough, i got one more. Touching the righteousness which is in the law, I'm, and I, this word is startling, I'm blameless. My works are top of the line. Do you know they tell me, I've never looked it up and evaluated it, But I'm told by almost every place I look it up that there were over 600, 613 is what most people say, 613 religious laws. Here's what Paul says: I got them all. Now, that's startling, isn't it? Because I just take the Ten Commandments. I I can look at 10 of them, the Ten Commandments, and go, "Uh uh-oh. Are you that way? Are you that way? Covetous? You that way? Has that ever happened in your life? I can look at the Ten Commandments and be convicted. And Paul says, I've worked overtime to have this, blameless. So read all 600 of them. Check that one off. And that one. Yep, got that one. We're down here to 600. Yep, got that one too. There's that last one, 613. Check it. Okay, let me ask you a question. This is Paul. How are you doing? Paul says, if anybody has a right to go to heaven on their own, I want you to know it has to be me. Can you get more religious than this? I don't think so. You top this? I don't think so. You better than this? I don't think so. And then he says something odd, something startling something that is worth your attention i'm done in just a few moments but here's what he says look in verse seven you see it look at your bible at verse seven philippians chapter three you see it but what things were gained to me those i counted what is the next word loss okay now silly illustration but watch this so what i got baptized was of no value. The word lost means without value in the subject at hand. So Paul's talking about, what do you got to do to go to heaven? How can you be sure that you're a child of God, that your sins are forgiven, that you're going to heaven? He said, this won't do it. Oh, and by the way, this neither. Had to count that as lost too. Oh, and my family, not enough. Had to get rid of that one too. Had to count that one as loss. He even adds more to it in the next verse. Look at, look at verse 8. Uh, verse 8. Yea, doubtless, I count all things in case I miss something. These were amazing, weren't they? But just in case I miss something, that, that doesn't work either. I counted that as loss as well, verse 8 he says. Uh, I had to give that up. And then he says, I count all things as loss. Uh, Just add to it all things. For the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things. And then he makes this statement, and I count them as as dung. Awkward word. Awkward word. Because it's one thing to say, you know, I know that this won't get me to heaven. But it's another thing to say, was worthless. That's hard, isn't it? It's one thing to say, my religion, I understand my religion is not the key to getting to heaven. But it's another thing to say, compared to what it really takes to get to heaven, this is dung. That's hard, isn't it? He had to count his loss, give it up. It doesn't work. He had to do this with his own good works. Won't save me. It's not good enough. All right. If this is true, then how do you get saved? If this this won't get you to heaven, how are you going to get to heaven? How, how, How can somebody like me, I certainly don't have all of this. Neither do you. That's why Paul wrote this verse. That's why he wrote these verses. Because here's what Paul is trying to say. He's saying, just so you know, I gave all of this up because I found a better way. I gave all of this up. Because I found a better way. And it's in the passage. You guys are have read it, haven't you? I know you have, Pastor. Here's what he says. Here's what he says. I'll let you be seated in just a moment. He says, um, Yea, doubtless I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord. Then he says in verse 9, And I want to be found in him. Watch this now. This is amazing. Not having my own righteousness you got to catch that. Paul says, I'm on my way to heaven not because of any of this. In fact, in order to be on my way to heaven, I had to give all of this up. I had to count all of this as loss, and I had to consider all of this as worthless. Because Jesus Christ did something for me that is better than all of this, and in fact did something for me that none of this can do. Here's what Jesus Christ did. He did the only thing necessary for me to be a child of God on my way to heaven. Not my baptism or my election, not my family or my religion or my good works. Not mine, but Christ's. Do you see that in verse 9? It's a glorious verse. He says, I want to be found in Jesus. Let me, let me turn back. I lost the page. I want to be found in Jesus, not having my own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. Now, guys, before you're seated, I've got a question for you. Do you have to be perfect to go to heaven? <laughs> um, yes. And that's why you can't go. In this passage, the answer is yes. And that's why you and I can't go. The reason a religious experience when you're a baby won't get you to heaven is because you have to be perfect and that won't make you perfect. And the reason being elected as a child of Israel won't get you to heaven is because you have to be perfect, and that won't make you perfect. And the reason your family can't get you to heaven is because you've got to be perfect to go to heaven, and your family won't make you perfect. And your religion will not make you perfect. And your good words will not make you perfect. But there's someone who can. And His name is Jesus Christ. And he died for your sins, and he was buried, and he was raised from the dead. He is the Son of God. And you know what Paul says in this passage? I spent a whole life I spent a whole life being religious, but you know what happened to me? One day I realized that none of that's good enough to get me to heaven because I'm not perfect, but I need someone else to do for me what I can't do for myself, so I counted all of this as loss, and I put my faith in Jesus Christ, the one who died for my sins and was buried and was raised from the dead, and I am now on my way to heaven not because of what I did, but because of what Jesus Christ has done for me and because of who he is. And ladies and gentlemen, the only way you can walk out of this room today and be a child of God on your way to heaven is if you are willing to count all of this as loss. Hard, isn't it? If you're willing to say, God, I've spent a lifetime trying to be good, but I realize now it won't make me perfect. And so I'm stopping trusting in my works and my religion, and whatever happened in my family, and whatever my nation is, my election, and whatever happened to me when I was a baby, I'm giving all of that up. Jesus, what I'm doing. Is I'm coming to you to say, I am not perfect, and nothing I can do will make me perfect, but I know that you are, and I know that you died for my sins, and I know that you were buried, and I know that you were raised from the dead. And this day, this day in January of 2017, I'm turning from all of this, and I'm turning to Jesus Christ and trusting Him to take away my sins, give me everlasting life. Not my righteousness, but His. Isn't this a glorious passage? I don't have to be good enough. I don't have to be perfect because there is a Savior named Jesus Christ who is perfect. And you go to heaven not on your works, your religion, your righteousness. You go to heaven when you're willing to give up all of that and receive His. And that's what it means to be saved. Thank you, guys. You can have a seat. Thank you so much. That's a life worth having. It's eternal life. It's everlasting life. I want to ask you a question. I'm about done. I'm about about to finish. I'm about to say amen, have an invitation, and we'll go to lunch. But I want to ask you, if you died today, when you walk out of here this morning, will you walk out of here a child of God, perfect through Jesus Christ, or will you walk out of here, depending on yourself, your religion, your works, your background? There's no middle ground. Paul writes to them here about being sure. Being sure that they were righteous through Jesus Christ. Are you? Thursday's a special day. Thursday. Friday. Friday's a political day, isn't it? Isn't it Friday that we make a transition from one president to another? Friday's a political day. But Thursday's my favorite day. Because Thursday is my birthday, (laughs) but not age-wise, but spiritually. Because on January the 19th of 1986, I was a high school student, I was religious, I went to church, I knew Bible verses. But on January the 19th of 1986, I realized that there was nothing in my life good enough to get me to heaven on my own. And a good friend introduced me to a perfect Savior named Jesus Christ. And on January the 19th, about 8 o'clock in the evening, 1986, I turned from everything else, counted at lost. And I turned to Jesus Christ and I received him to be my Savior. To save me from sin and hell. I turned to Jesus Christ to be my God, my Lord. Lightning didn't flash. There was no rolling thunder. I didn't get any standing ovations or applause. But something happened that day in my life that's changed my life for all of eternity. I that day... I became a perfect man. I did. Not in my righteousness, but because the righteousness of Jesus Christ has been given to me. It's Him, not me. It's what He did, not what I did. It's what He did for me, not what I can do for myself. It's Him. It's Him. It's Jesus, the Son of God. God the Son, the One that died, the One that was buried, the One that was raised from the dead. He bore my sin. He, he took my sorrows. He, he, he suffered in my stead. He was buried. He was raised from the dead. All of that so that I could be forgiven of my sins and have, have everlasting life. And Sir, man, there's a God in heaven that cares about you that much. And this Sunday morning, this Sunday morning, in, in this very church, in this very auditorium, he lovingly and gently and amazingly invites you to turn from everything else and receive Him as your Savior. Put your faith in Him. Let Him take your righteousness. Let Him take away your righteousness. That won't save you. Let Him give to you His. And that's what Paul's trying to say in this passage. It's glorious, isn't it? i got to close. I've got I to be done. But he has another verse. He has one more verse. And he says, look what God has done for me through Jesus. I'm on my way to heaven because I'm perfect. Not me, not me, not me, not my righteousness, but the righteousness of Jesus Christ that is mine through faith. I'm going to heaven because I'm a perfect man through the righteousness of Jesus Christ. All my sins are washed away. I've been forgiven. I have everlasting life. And it's all a gift. And it was given to me. I'm saved. I'm a child of God. That's shouting around, isn't it? And he says, now, you know what I'm doing? I'm not trying to get to heaven now. I'm just simply trying to get to know Jesus. He says, I need the righteousness of Christ. And God invites me to have a relationship with Christ. That I may know him. That I may know him. Just let those words sink in. My dear church friend, the God of the universe likes you. He just likes you. He does. He likes you. I got a text the other day. I have a pastor I met this year in West Virginia. Had a great meeting in his church. You would love his church. New church. They meet in a funeral home. And I'm just telling you they're raising the dead. It's an incredible church. Incredible church. Run down, falling apart town. With a happy gospel preaching, life's changed kind of church. I mean, just amazing. Sent me a text the other day. Got it early in the morning. Woke up, saw that I had a text from him. And I hit my screen and opened it. And, and here's what he said in his text it just, it just was great. He said these words his text said, I like you, Dave Young. I like you, Dave Young. That is the weirdest text I've ever gotten from a pastor. I like you, Dave Young. Someone I, I like you, Dave Young. That was a blessing to me. I thought about that all day long. I like you, Dave Young. Simple, isn't it? I mean, it's, just, it's kind of dumb, isn't it? But he was special to me. He likes me. He likes me. You ever thought that there's a God in heaven? He likes you. You're his child. He knows everything about you, and he still likes you. He cares about what's going on in your life. He he likes you. We know that he loves us. Here's what Paul's saying, that I may know him. Church, make 2017 a year, and would would you get to know Jesus in a greater way than you've ever known him? Close. You walk with him, you love him. He loves you, you grow in the Lord this year, you become more like Jesus than you ever have. You know what it is to know his power, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of his sufferings. There very well may be this year ahead, some suffering for you. Disease or a death, a health situation, some pain, Can I just tell you, the reason he's going to let that happen in your life, it's not because he hates you, it's because you live in a sin-cursed world, and that's kind of the normal effects of living in a sin-cursed world. But You have a Savior who wants to walk with you, and talk with you, and love you, and be there with you. This is a great paragraph. This is a great paragraph. So we got to do two things, at least. i got to invite you to know Jesus today. Because there's got to be two or three or four or five of you seated in the service. And the fact of the matter is, what I just preached right here is what you need. Because you're not yet the Christian that Paul is talking about here. Because you're depending on you and yourself and your religion But God brought you here today to say, don't you know that my son is better than your religion? Don't you know that trusting Jesus and being born again and forgiven is better than whatever else you can add to your life? Put your faith in him today. Do two things in this invitation. Do two things today. Would you, friend? Number one, just pray. Just pray. You can do it right now. You can pray with your eyes closed. You can get on your knees. You can put your hands together. You can kneel. Whatever you pray and say, God, What Brother Young preached today, what Dave preached today is exactly what I want. I want to go to heaven, and I want to be perfect, and I want to be right with you so that my sins are forgiven. Whatever that is, I want it, and I know I can only have it through Jesus Christ. So God, as best I know how, I turn from anything else in my life that's keeping me from you. And what I want, Jesus, is you to come into my life and forgive my sins, and I want you to be my Savior. I turn from everything else to you, just as best you know how, Mean it with all of your heart, and turn to Jesus Christ. He'll forgive your sins and save you. He'll make you his child. And then here's the second thing I want to challenge you to do. You pray about it, and then you slip here to the front in just a moment. Here's what we'll do. A pianist will play. I'll ask people to bow their head and close their eyes and be in prayer. And, And Pastor Andrew will stand right here in front of this Bible and this flower arrangement, and I'm just going to challenge you. You pray, and then come and tell him you did. And say, hey, Pastor Andrew, today, what Dave Young preached is what I did. And here's what I want you to tell it. So we can pray with you. Just let us pray with you. No embarrassment, no pressure. We just want to pray with you. How many of you were in the Sunday school hour? Many of you in the Sunday school hour, the Lord challenged your heart in a couple of areas. And this would be a good time to pray about it. So we're inviting people to be saved. That's what we're going to do before we go to lunch. But we're also wanting God to help us. So Across the building, let's go to prayer. Across the building, let's go to prayer. Let's not just stand and wait for the service. To end. Let's go to prayer. Let's pray about knowing Christ more this year and about the situations of our life and about the gospel I talked about in Sunday school. Let's pray this morning. And somebody in this morning's service, your heart's heavy and you've got a burden in your life and you're sitting in a church service, and I just want to tell you, you, you are in the presence of God. He says, if two or three are gathered together, I'm there. And And during this invitation... You may just need to kneel and pray about a burden in your heart, and you ought to do it. And you may want somebody to pray with you. Uh, Listen, come to the platform. Stand here in motion for me. I'll turn this microphone off and come down, and and, and I'll pray with you about your burden. Don't leave this service until you've met with God. He's real, and he cares about you. So how many of you need to be saved, will you? How many of you need to pray, will you?